John chapter 6, verse 63. Let's look at John chapter 6, verse 63. I'm going to start a little sooner, KJ, a little earlier in the verse. Um, verse 43. We'll start with verse 43. But we'll focus in on verse 63. Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. Oh, that could be the whole message. Murmur not among yourselves. Did you ever murmur among yourself by yourself? <laughs> you found yourself murmuring? You're like, mm, mm. If you got family, it's a tremendous blessing. Because <laughs> they'll be like, why are you talking like that? Talking like what? And then when you hear yourself say, talking like what? You're like, oh, maybe, I, maybe there is a tone there and I don't even realize it. <laughs> Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. God is involved in drawing people unto himself. In other words, that, that's not from your mind. That's actually your, your heart is drawn. What? By his spirit, by the spirit of God. Uh, I love the wooing of the Lord. And I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets that they shall all be taught of God. Every man, therefore, that has heard and has learned of the Father comes to me. All right? Now, Let's look at what he's talking about over in the prophets. I'm going to read first in Isaiah 54, 13. And all your children will be taught of the Lord, and great will be the peace of your children. In righteousness you will be established. Hallelujah. Thou therefore be far from oppression. Thou shalt not fear and from terror, for it shall not come near you. And then also Jeremiah. Verse uh, chapter 31, verse 33. But this shall be a covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord, for they will all know me. They will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Hallelujah. I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. But before that, he said, they will all know me. For I will forgive their sin and iniquity. In righteousness you shall be established. In other words, if you don't have an understanding of your standing with God, that he is not mad at you, that he has made you right with him, well, you're not really going to feel like you know God, and actually you don't know him if you don't know righteousness, because he is righteousness. Now, you know him in your spirit, but your mind has not become acquainted so much so, you know, the greatest need of the believer is to have your mind renewed. 
Because your mind will block the blessing of God in your life because it does not compute. You're like, this, this, this doesn't work. Your mind must be renewed. Your mind must be changed. The only thing that can change your mind is your husband or your wife. No. The only thing that can change your mind is your mom or your dad. No. The only thing that can change your mind is Washington. No. The only thing that can change your mind is the word of God. The words of God. The words of God contain, they are a seed, and they contain in them the very life of God. Actually, Jesus said, and we're going to read it here in a second, my words are spirit and they are life. Spirit and they are life. You know what it says? That's John 6, 63. Spirit and life are my words. Literally, in the Greek, it says, my rhemas are spirit and they are life. Spirit and life. I'm kind of jumping ahead. Let me, let me rewind a little bit. Verse 46. Well, let me come in. So in Jeremiah, your sin and your iniquity will he remember no more. Actually, over, <laughs> that's cool. Over in Isaiah, when he said, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions, and I will not remember your sins. He said, put me in remembrance. For mine own sake. In other words, God wants a relationship with us so bad. But he can't have a relationship with sin. Actually, sin cannot be in his presence. So you look at the, at the Lord and then you look at your life and you think like, whoa, whoa, whoa is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. Like I can't even come into the presence of, I don't deserve to be here. Other people do because from my perspective, they do better. That's just because you don't know every detail of their life. That's why it's your perspective. So if you judge your ability to fellowship with God based on your actions, you'll never get deep into the presence of the Lord. Because your actions, no matter how good they are, uh, don't even amount to anything. They called Jesus, they said, good teacher, and he rebuked them. He said, there is none good but God. Remember that? They're like, good teacher. He's like, there is none good but God. Why? All goodness comes from God. Jesus didn't even take that on himself. He's like, everything I'm doing and saying that you see me do comes from him. Well, when we're approaching the throne of God, if everything that we're doing to get into the throne doesn't come from God, you're actually not going to really get there. It's by the mercies of God. The mercy seat of God, which is the propitiation, Romans. It's the mercy seat. What's the mercy seat? Well, the mercy seat was on the top of the Ark of the Covenant, the two angels' wings, you know, the back's like connected like this, and that's the place where they sprinkle blood. 
It's the place where the presence of God was. So the place where mercy is at, God said, I will meet with you at the mercy seat. In other words, when you come by the blood of Jesus, by what Jesus has done, like, well, I've done this good thing, and I did this, and I did that. No, 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 no. You remember the, um, uh, was it the publican and the sinner praying? Jesus said like, uh, that the publican prayed thus and with himself. But the sinner, the man who came and said, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. He was justified before God. Does that mean we come as sinners? No, because if you're born again, you're not a sinner. You're a saint, and you might occasionally sin. But you're actually a born-again saint of God. But it means when you come into the presence of the Lord, if you want to actually get in his presence, if you actually want to go to the mercy seat, that you come by the blood of Jesus. In other words, the work that Christ, the life of Christ, that he himself, that the word accomplished... Everything that he did, his blood conquered all. So when you come to God, if you're trying to come because of yourself, good or bad, you're not going to get there. But if you come and you say, look at Jesus. Look at how wonderful Jesus is. Look at what Jesus did for me. Isn't Jesus awesome? Well, you'll get there. A, a family, a girl one time came up to Kenneth Hagin and she said, can you tell me something? I got a question for you. And she said, then she went on to say, she said, you know, my husband's family, you know, they kind of like are sporadic in their faithfulness to the Lord. And, you know, they're kind of in and out and uh, they don't even give all the time, everything like that. And, you know, uh, but if they ever ask for prayer for healing, they almost always are instantly healed. I mean, just boom. It's the easiest thing in the world to get them healed. She said, but my family, she's like, if anybody's ever really been supernaturally healed, I don't even know it. I've never seen it. And he said, he said, or he said, well, you, you just told me something. You didn't ask me a question. Do you have a question? <laughs> and she said, why? He said, well, if the Lord, I don't know, unless the Lord would supernaturally reveal to me, I have no idea. He said, but based on what you've told me, I could tell you this. Most likely, his family was quick to repent and quick to forgive. And she said, you're exactly right. She said, they, they just do all this crazy stuff, but man, they would, they would repent real quick and turn to the Lord and they'd forgive you easy. And she said, but my family, she's like, now we would, because we know the Bible says we have to, we would eventually forgive you, but we'd hold on to it just as long as we dared. <laughs> like, I want to be upset about this a little longer. <laughs> know that I am more righteous than you just a little longer. Right. Right? It's kind of feeds pride and self-righteousness and all those types of things. Well, uh, the one came by the mercy of God and the other came by works of righteousness from their own strength, their own power. Right? What they, what they could do. In other words, uh, I'm not quick to repent. I'm not quick to forgive. I'm going to hold it against you because I'm going to hurt you, right? Because I don't like what you did to me. And so uh, it's looking to yourself. So that's like the publican. He, he um, said, oh, Lord, you know that I give a tenth of everything, even of my spices. Like I give a tenth of the flour, a tenth of the sugar, uh, even a tenth of the no-bake cookies. 
I love no-bake cookies. Or my other, one of my other favorites is strawberry shortcake, which I just had yesterday. Because I went strawberry picking on Friday. Whew. Praise the Lord. I love strawberries. The Lord made strawberries. You can eat as much strawberries as your system can process, is what I like to say. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Because you eat too many, then it can be a problem. But you don't get into the presence of God. In other words... Um, I think some people either have never been in the presence of God or they've just been so on the outskirts that they just don't comprehend and have never experienced the fullness of Him. Yeah. Because if you ever get into the presence of God, you'll never be the same. Because you always come out, you cannot meet with God and come out empty-handed. And you cannot meet with God and be sad. And you cannot meet with God and be stressed. Man, you, you, you have a meeting with God. And you always come out better than what you went in. I mean, sometimes I, I learned uh, years ago, when I go into the presence of the Lord, I need to lay my agenda aside. Sometimes, if, it's, if I have a lot, then I'll just write it down. And I'll say, well, if, if the Lord didn't address this by the time I'm done praying, then I'll just pray it afterwards. Because I don't want to come and... Uh, tell him, Lord, you know, this situation, you need to work in this situation, fix this situation. You know, like, uh, well, praise the Lord, I don't have time to go into that, do I? Um, but always, if I come and I worship the Lord and I praise the Lord and I turn my heart to him and I pour out my heart to him, he addresses it better than I ever could have asked. Yeah. And man, uh, when you pray and you speak under the anointing, Man, the job is done. It's done. But when you're just kind of like uh, haphazard or just mouthing things that don't really mean much to you and you're not speaking from your heart, well, you can pray that prayer for a really long time because you're not actually connecting with the Lord. So you, you, you want to connect with God and you do that by coming not based on yourself. You do it by coming based on the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Jesus even told us before he left the earth to go to heaven and then came back with his spirit. He, he came back in his spirit. Um, he said, in that day, speaking of today, you will ask me nothing. But whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Whatever you ask the Father in my name. Well, what is in his name? Well, of course, all authority and all power is vested into that name. But that name represents his whole life and his whole blood. So when I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm actually declaring with my mouth whether my religious brain understands it or not. I am declaring I'm not coming right now based on myself based on my friends, based on my pedigree, based on my position, based on how much money I have, I am coming based solely upon Jesus and him alone. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through him. Well, we know that as far as salvation of the, of the you know, being born again. But it's true concerning prayer. 
All right, verse 47. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread. Okay, so just to give a little context. Before this, he fed the 5,000, right? And so then they're kind of after him, and he's actually kind of upset at them. He's like, you're not even coming because the, the miracle you thought was amazing. You're coming because you got food. But I'm going to tell you about some real food. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. In other words, if you, unless you accept everything that Jesus is and what he's done, you have no life in you, no zoe in you. Uh, I have come that you might have zoe, but you're not going to have it unless you receive all that I have done. Whosoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, or aeonius zoe, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so that he that eats me, even he will live by me. And this is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat meat, uh, excuse me, eat manna, and are dead. He that eats of this bread will live forever. So he's like, y'all are talking about all this natural stuff. I'm talking to you about spiritual things that actually go beyond uh, what you see, that go beyond your life. Your fathers ate this bread, and they're dead. But you eat this bread, and you will never die. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said to them, Does this offend you? Verse 62. What and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? Does this offend you? What if you, what if you saw the Son of Man ascend? <laughs> is that going to be offensive to you? Verse 63. It is the spirit that quickens, or it is the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Or the rhemas that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So it's like the Word and the Spirit together. Because you, no man can come to the Father except the Spirit of God draws him to the Father. So you can still hear the Word, but if the Spirit of God's not drawing you, well, the Spirit of God works with the Word of God. He wrote the Word of God. Holy men of old wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's the author of the Word of God, the author of the Bible. And so it is the Spirit that quickens or gives life. The flesh profits nothing. 
The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, or pneuma, and they are life. Life is zoe, it's the life of God and the nature of God. Do I need to read that again? It is the spirit that quickens. The flesh profits nothing. It's the spirit that quickens, makes alive. The flesh profits nothing. It's the spirit that quickens. The flesh profits nothing. The flesh does not profit you. It is the spirit that profits you. It is the spirit that gives life. It is the spirit that quickens. The words that I speak to you, how does he speak to us? Through the word made rhema by the spirit. Made alive by the spirit. Made uh, quickened. So then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, the rhema of God. How does faith come? What is faith? Well, faith against all natural odds and against all natural circumstances and against everything that is contrary, faith will stand. Faith will rise up. Faith is the substance of things that you could only hope for, that there was just a hope, it's just a dream. Faith takes the unseen realities and brings them into tangible reality. Uh, you hope for money because you got bills. So you have a hope. Man, I hope, I hope I get a raise. I, I, I hope I can pay this. I hope I can get out of this. <laughs> right? <laughs> so you have hope. Well, hope is good. Because once you lose hope, what happens? Well, there's no use. I just give up. Well, so you got to have hope. Hope's a substance. Or faith is a substance of things that you hope for. But faith... One translation says, faith is giving substance to things hoped for. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three, what things soever you desire when you pray. You know, if you study desire and hope, it's very similar. So that whatever you desire when you pray, what? Believe. Well, faith is what the substance of what you hope for. Well, believe is, I don't know the Greek tenses, you know, but it's the action form of faith. To believe is faith in action. So now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Well, how do you get faith? Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Or faith comes by hearing, hearing by the rhema of God. Who is active in the rhema of God? The Spirit of God. All right? John 6, 63. It is the Spirit that quickens or brings life. The flesh profits nothing. So this isn't a flesh proposition. This is not like, I'm going to arm wrestle Dave, and he's going to let me win so it looks good. No. He's a mechanic, and I'm not, so if I can't open something, I ask Dave. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, or the rhemas that I speak unto you, those are spirit and those are life. 
Jesus said in John chapter 14, you know him. The speaking of the Spirit of God, the Comforter is going to come. And you actually already know him and are acquainted with him. Why? He actually, he didn't say the Comforter. I, I, that I misquoted. He said, I will send another Comforter. Praise the Lord. Thank God for the Spirit of God. Why? He teaches me all things. He leads me in the right path. He leads me actually in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. God leads me, guides me, leads you, guides you by his spirit. How? Proverbs 20, 27. The spirit of man, your spirit, the real you, is the candle of the Lord. It's the light of the Lord. Searching all the inward parts of the belly. What is that? That's where the thoughts and intents of your heart are. The Spirit of God, He's a discerner through the Word. The Word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. His words are spirit and they are life. What happens? Well, that word will cut through everything else you got going on. It'll go right to the core of who you are. You ever, I love being admonished by the Lord. It's painful on your flesh. But man, my spirit rejoices. Because I'm like, this is good for me. And I mean, nobody likes to admit when you're wrong. Most people don't, at least. But man, when you understand what the Lord is doing... When he is admonishing you, correcting you. You know, the, lead, the, the Lord leads and guides us every step of the way. So you start to take a step this direction. You think, this is great. This is God. This is what I'm supposed to do. But you look on the inside and you got like hesitation. Huh? Not your head, but your heart. Uh, you better stop and pray. Unless you just know that's the no sign. So you say, okay, Lord, well, I thought I was going to go that way. Remember, Paul said the same thing. He said, we essayed to go into Macedonia, but the Spirit forbade us. So he said, we're going to go to Macedonia, but the Spirit of the Lord said, hey, hold on. We, we walk by faith and not by sight. Yet even being people of faith, we want to walk by sight in our flesh a lot of times because we say like, okay, the Lord said no not to Macedonia, so I'm never going to Macedonia apparently. <laughs> Do you know sometimes the Lord will tell you no as training? He wants to make sure he's, your, he's Lord, not you. I've had the Lord tell me before, I'm like, okay, Lord, da, 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 and I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. So finally I said, okay, Lord, I'll do it. And then he say, okay, but you don't have to. <laughs> Why? Because Jesus is Lord. Yeah. But what happens? Well, we want to say, okay, this is what the Lord said. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So if you're going to live a fruitful, fulfilling life on the earth as a believer, you are totally reliant upon God. 
You can't just say, okay, I'm going to pray in January. In fact, I'll take 30 days off. I'll pray in January, bank it all up, find everything out, and then I'll pray again next January. No, it's a daily walk. It's a daily relationship that you are constantly and wholeheartedly dependent on him. And he speaks primarily through his word, the written word of God and the spoken word of God. And as you listen to the spoken word, meditate on it, listen to the written word, meditate on it, then the spirit of God will begin to make that real to you. That's when it becomes a rhema. That's when faith is present. What? All of a sudden you see the reality. <gasps> Look at this. Remember when you were born again? Think back when you first accepted Christ. You saw clearly <gasps> the wonder and the beauty and the love and the purity and the freedom of Christ. And you say, I want him. Right? You saw reality. You go through life. I see people sitting in services. You see people sometimes they'll sit in service. There's an altar call. Uh, you can see them like physically get uncomfortable. That they're resisting. They're resisting. And sometimes they won't resist. Sometimes they'll accept it. Sometimes they'll sit there and they'll resist the whole time. You know, you're not guaranteed another minute. You ought not to resist the spirit of the Lord. He loves you. He, he's made a provision for you. So they'll, they'll just resist. Why? Because they're starting to see reality and, and they, they want to grab hold of the flesh and keep like, what's going to happen? I don't want to lose my freedom. I don't want to have people say, I want to be able to get drunk every week. Huh. That's not living. Jesus came that you might have life and that you would have it more abundantly. Hallelujah. Stand with me. If you would, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, he's not your Lord, he's not your Savior, I want to invite you this morning. This can be the best day of your life. And it will be the best day of your life if you don't know Jesus and you receive him this morning. It doesn't matter what you've done. In fact, there's nothing, no amount of good deeds you could do to qualify to come into the kingdom of God. The qualification for entrance into the kingdom is what Jesus did and who Jesus is, and it is believing on him. You believe that God raised him from the dead and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. There's no two ways about it. You do that from your heart and you are born again. Once you're born again, your whole nature changes. You're changed from the inside out. Hallelujah. So if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, you've never received him, and you'd like to slip up your hand, I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. God loves you. He has a good plan for your life. Don't believe the lies of the devil. The enemy is trying to steal from you, kill you, and destroy you. But God, Jesus came that you would have life and have it more abundantly. If you'd like to receive Christ this morning, Jesus Christ, just slip up your hand. I want to pray with you, and I want to pray for you. Hallelujah. Be the best day of your life. This changes everything. Number two, if you're here this morning, and... Uh, you were walking with the Lord, fellowship with, with the Lord, but uh, you just let other things come in. You got frustrated, made mistakes. 
things that came between you and the Lord and you want to come back and rededicate your life to the Lord, you want to come back into the house of God, if that's you, I want you to slip up your hand. I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. Hallelujah. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto everyone that believes. Hallelujah. And number three, if you're here this morning and you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, you're born again, but you've never been filled with the Spirit, uh, there is an experience after salvation called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You'd like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit this morning, slip up your hand. I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. Hallelujah. God is a good God. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you're a good God for leading us, guiding us, that we're your children, that it's not a hard thing to hear from you, Father, that we, but we just look to the inside. We thank you for your leadership, your guidance. Father, that there's not a situation that can come our way that you have not already gotten victory over. Father, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice right now. Father, if there's one that does not know you, Father, that you would quicken to them the reality of life and death, that you'd quicken to them the reality of eternal life, eternal death. Father, that each and every one of us, that as you speak to us this week, that you'd cause us to tune in to what you're saying, to put the distractions to the side and to put into our life to do what you're showing us to do. Father, I thank you for providing for every single one of us. I thank you, Father, that we are your children, that we are in your family, that the devil has no power over us because we live in Christ, because Jesus has set us free. Father, I thank you that the curse has been lifted off of us, that no one in your family is cursed, but we're all blessed. Father, we thank you that our bodies are healthy, that our bodies function properly, that our bodies do what they're intended to do, that they are a blessing to us in our life here on the earth. Father, I thank you for financial provision in every arena. Father, for those stepping out in ministry, I thank you for an abundant supply. I thank you that you supply all of our needs according to your ability, according to your riches, in glory by Christ Jesus. I thank you, Father, that all of our needs are met, that we're well able to give into every good work. I thank you for an abundant harvest, an abundant harvest of souls coming into the kingdom. Father, I thank you, hallelujah, for many lost coming and coming into the house, into your house, into your household, into your family. Oh, Father, we thank you for a voice that can penetrate through the darkness, full of your word, full of your spirit. Father, we thank you for a great awakening in the Washington, D.C. region. Father, many lives and many hearts and many people turning towards you. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.